thank you for uh, this interview. This is the first episode of Speaking Culturally, a new podcast that I'm on. So thank you for being my first interview. Glad if I dare. Uh, so we're going to start off. Uh, let's let's tell people who you are. Who, Queen, who is Queen Quet? Mm-hmm. I didn't get that question before now. People want to say, oh, who one of I'm Queen Quet. I'm chiefess and head of state for the Gullah Geechee Nation. I'm also the founder of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, which was the first organization in the world to exist with Gullah and Geechee in the name put together. And I'm a native of St. Helena Island. My family roots stem from St. Helena, Palawana, and Dato Islands in South Kakalaki. Now, speaking culturally is the name of the podcast, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the culture of mm-hmm. the Gullah Geechee people. Uh, too often, uh, when you hear Gullah Geechee, everybody wants to see a song and a dance and uh, what they've seen when they travel, what they see on TV. Mm-hmm. What is Gullah Geechee and what is the culture to you? So it's always interesting when people ask what is Gullah Geechee because there's a few things to deal with when they ask that. Because Gullah Geechee is a culture. It's an ethnicity. It's an ethnic group of people of African descent. Also, we have some indigenous American descent as well, blended in many of our families. And we're natives of the Sea Islands, which go from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida. So when our ancestors were kidnapped and brought to the Sea Islands from Africa, from various points of Africa, we ended up combining our cultural traditions, including our language. So honey yeti people are cracking teeth like this and thing like that. And that's when you hear the Gullah language. And that's when most people figure out there's something different about this group of black folks, right? And then some people might have heard, well, honey gwine yonder, forget them thing and bring them back here. Then that's Geechee, which is actually a pidgin or dialect of the Gullah language. So Gullah Geechee are, are people that have a specific ethnicity, that is unique to North America because our culture is indigenous to this land and part of culture is always language. Our language is Gullah. Geechee grew out of Gullah and has become the pigeon of the dialect. So you have different uses for when the people say, what's Gullah? Geechee. Which category? What are we dealing with? Linguistics? Are we dealing with life in general? Well, life in general, uh, one of the one of the big things you've taken on that I've seen and followed uh, is your dedication to bringing awareness to sea level rise mm-hmm. and displacement and adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, being here on St. Helena Island, you know, mm-hmm. you have lots of water here. On of course. <laughs> so we're in the low country. And as you said before, when you're in the low country, how much lower can you go? Exactly. So no, having we have a low sea level. <laughs> with that in mind, and thinking about preserving the Gullah Geechee culture, specifically mm-hmm. here in St. Helena, mm-hmm. how do you how do you preserve this culture knowing that you're fighting something that you just can't press a button to stop? Well, it's really interesting because one of the things I always tell people is people will list me as a preservationist, but I do that in terms of historic buildings and structures. But when it comes to my culture, I'm a continuationist. I'm a person that intends to ensure that my cultural community continues to exist well into the future. So it was one thing to battle human beings coming in and wanting to displace you or not realizing that their particular mechanism by which they build and the way in which they live and gated areas and building resorts was antithetical to the Sea Island environment for a number of reasons, especially the fact that the low country means ecologically we are below sea level already. So now we have a situation where we're in a hurricane zone already. 
which only comes up a certain season. Like I tell people in the Gullah Geechee Nation, we don't just have four seasons. We have at least five because we have hurricane season as well. Now you see that on sunny days, there's floods. There ain't no hurricane. There's nothing what's going on here. What we used to call a spring tide that didn't just happen in the spring is now called a king tide. It has replaced cotton from being king in this region. And it is overtaking the land the way cotton did. So when we first started seeing trees falling down and saying these trees are laying down, and we mentioned this to county council members, and they're just like, oh, ignoring it. Oh, it's nothing special about that. So what? The trees might fall every now and then. It's just some erosion. Not at this level. Not when you have acres of trees down. There's something greater happening. But as we all know, some people think climate change is a hoax. Those of us who are scientists know it's real, and we know that the ecology of a place changes because of it and can have negative impacts. So now to press that button, I wish I could press this button that you talk about and put a stop to it. I wish I could press this button and send people who don't believe that there is a cultural community here that needs to be retained and sustained into the future. I could press that button and eject them out and then tear down some of the things that have damaged our coastline. I would do it. But since I don't have that button, all right, I do have faith. And so I also have education enough to be able to go into things and look at other communities around the world that are island communities, that are coastal communities, and garner knowledge from them at United Nations conferences and see how we can collaborate and then try to get scientists to come and help us evaluate mechanisms that can cause us to adjust the way we build so that we can build houses in another way that can be not just eco-friendly, but maritime homes so that they can also shift with the tide so that they can float and things like this. Um, I've seen some presentations of some models, but haven't actually seen a model yet of one of these types of homes that are somewhat aquatic homes, these types of things. So we're working on things for the future, not just for the moment. But in the moment, we have to make our youth aware this is something that's critical. This is crucial. But it ties back to why our ancestors never built directly in the marsh, never built directly on the ocean to begin with. They understood the time and tide wait for no man or woman. And so, therefore, time is going to catch up to you, and so is the tide. They just didn't call it sea level rise. So now that the sea levels have risen, fortunately, most Gullah Geechee families are okay because we never built directly on the shore. It's all the outside building that is causing the more rapid erosion, the overbuilding, as they like to call it, because it started to eat into the shore even before the sea level rise came. The clear cutting of trees that they do for the golf courses and so on started to loosen all of the sand and whatnot. So it's getting sucked out of those areas it's even faster. It's land disturbance. And so one thing moves from one area, it has to go somewhere else. And so these are things that we're looking at now with the world to see how do we balance it, how do we combat it, how do small islands in developing states have a voice, how do we have the economies of the major world governments that have caused a lot of this destruction fund 
retaining cultural heritage. So that's one of the things that I'm about to engage in on my Healing the Land World Tour is heading to Scotland to launch the Climate Heritage Mobilization Network, where we will start to work together with more people around the world to kind of create that button you're talking about to see how do we stop this or how do we reverse human impacts, at least on the earth. Because I do believe if we each one teach one of what not to do in terms of not using things that are not renewable energy sources, not throwing plastic and styrofoam on the ground and using it and it ending up in the water supply, not having a one person per car everywhere that we go, um, that we can reverse some of the damage that has already been done. And right. God willing, God will reverse the levels of the water. Now, preserving the culture here, uh, you have a culture that's deeply rooted in the antebellum period where you oh, had, God, yes. uh, Tremendous amount of slavery that was here. Yes. More than 50 plantations on the island. Yes. Uh, then you have uh, the Sea Island cotton. Mm -hmm. uh, you have rice. Yep, Carolina gold rice. Yeah. Right. So how do we put this, this, this specific culture, not just an African-American group of people, right. but Gullah Geechee people? How yes. do we preserve the culture that is here, unlike the way they've done it in, let's say, Charleston? Mm, interesting. You know, I've said for many, many years, this is not Colonial Williamsburg and Black. Because when people read about Gullah Geechee culture, or they've seen a few films and children's TV shows, they get a fictional version of who we are. Then they come looking for the fiction, not the fact. And when they get here, and they see us in modern homes, and they see us that we can articulate in English, and we can throw them down like a dish show, and they done wrong, and see on the cousin over yonder, girl, that are you? Yeah, girl, that'll be right here. What one of do? Okay, and so they're like, shock, wait a minute, hold it. That's one of them. Whoa. Oh, they are still here. Because the other thing was academicians that said, we weren't going to be here. They had already calculated our demise and wrote about it. So how do you keep a culture alive in the midst of all of that is by living it. So continuing to live our culture, live our traditions, to continue to keep land ownership amongst the native Gullah Geechis has been critical to why our culture is still real. It's a lived experience, not a staged experience. So that's the juxtaposition between St. Helena and Charleston. Charleston County has a lot of staged experience. Right. So it gives that antebellum a la gone with the wind experience to the tourist. So they'll hire a black person who will storytell, which is lying in Gullah. They will hire a black person who sings very well. They will hire black chefs to come and do dinners, you know, stir some grits or serve some rice while these folks stand around and drink wine, you know, at a plantation, an operating plantation that is now a tourist site in Charleston versus the reverse. So when you come on, say, the Gullah Root Experience Tour on St. Helena, I'm going to go around and think like that and see what we do now. And then you say, well, oh, I thought we were going to go to plant. We we're going to go to a plantation home. We don't have any on St. Helena, but we are the natives that came from these plantations, still live on them because we own them, and we've been owning them since during the U.S. Civil War. And that's the part of the story that doesn't get told when you go to Charleston, usually, and a lot of people there don't own the homes; they're still renting. 
They ended up in public housing or they were displaced completely off the historic peninsula and are scattered now in Somerville and up north in New York and various other places. So you have a real major juxtaposition between the interpreted story of Charleston that wins awards for tourism versus the living indigenous native people of St. Helena Island where we all be Gullah Geechee, but who's telling the story and how and why are we telling it and who we're telling it to? Now, so what you said about coming here and seeing, you know, the things you see on TV. Yeah. uh, My kids were very much so looking for a giant frog. Frog, yeah. Binya, binya. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I've been trying to tell them that that is very fictional. It does not exist. And coming here, uh, I've taken my family with me to Charleston, and I've taken my family here to St. Helena, mm-hmm. and we have come back here over and over and over again yes. because we don't feel like we're being forced into something. We're actually mm. having an opportunity to gain the the cultural heritage that is here. Mm-hmm. So, is this something that is a pretty much is everybody on the island brought in brought into this uh, as that you know we just want to be who we are. And if people see us, that's fine. If people don't see us, that's fine. Because it seems like a look at me, see me in Charleston, where it's yeah. over This is just who we are. Well, yeah, I really feel that way, that most St. Helena Islanders, they they couldn't care less um, if tourists come or they don't come. Um, they probably feel more comfortable if they don't come because we've learned that once the tourists come, some of them like it too much, then they move in. And then when they move in, they want to change everything to fit what looked like someplace it came from. And we go, no, we don't want no store right there. No, don't build that right there. No, you ain't need no big old apartment building bunny. Then it's like, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all are very backwards here. You're not, you know, you can't change, you can't stop progress. We're not stopping progress. But it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And if you love those skyscrapers and those all-night stores so much, you could have stayed in the city. They have plenty of them there. You came to a rural sea island, that's Gullah Geechee. Go in your bed. Why you need to be out all hour of night? <laughs> so your life will be longer if you listen to some of the things the older people did and live like that. And a lot of that is just being who we are. It's like we like to sit on the porch, laugh, and things like that. It always has a good food for them, and things like that. But we ain't worried about all kind of other people and what they think of us, and you shouldn't speak your language. We went through that. We've had to fight to be Gullah Geechee. We've had to fight to keep our language and our traditions, and it's here on this island where we can just be and not have to fight anybody about that. So when we have our biggest event here every November, it's like a homecoming. You know, folks come back home, but we come to see each other more so than to be entertained or to entertain. We come to see each other. Now, people come. We have a lot of hospitality. We greet the people. Yeah, as long as you act like you got good sense, everything is good. All right? But don't come in and then start trying to demand that we fit this box that you saw that we're supposed to look a certain way or sound a certain way or find you this 10-foot-tall frog just because that's what you believe we ought to have. Now, we're in, in the city of Charleston, some more urbanized environment. There's a lot of, I got to hustle to survive. So, therefore, people have been raised to kind of get out here and what can you sell. And because there are millions of tourists that come there a year, our folks try to find a way to capitalize on the tourist market. At least that's a legal way to hustle, right? But everybody ain't a singer. 
everybody don't sow a sweet grass basket. So what you gonna do? And then you can't even afford to live downtown where the tourists are. So you lucky if you can get a place in the market downtown. So maybe you're a painter now. Or maybe you have some food uh, spices that you can sell. And then maybe you get those folks who really want to hear your story from you and you get to share it in the market. But unfortunately, a lot of us turn around and read what others wrote about us and regurgitate that to the tourists because the tourist marketing companies tell you that's what the tourists want to hear. You'll sell more if you just tell them them ghost stories. If you tell them about some hags and some hand blue instead of telling them the truth. Or tell them, yeah, you know, we got them 10 for frog, but you know you have to go a certain creek to find them. You know, something crazy. And then have folks running around on wild goose chases. And some people do it. I'm not going to do it because spiritually it's out of order and culturally it's inaccurate. And I fought too long and too hard to make sure that we tell our story and we tell the truth of what it is. And there's, there's as Frankie Beverly Mays said, there's joy and pain in that. All right? Yeah. Now, unpacking the box of African-American, uh, a lot of people identify as African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. You know, you're entitled to do that. I, myself, identify as black because I don't know where I'm from off the continent. Am right. I from, am my descendants from the continent? Yes. About my ancestors. I am a descendant of people from the continent. I don't know where. So when we unpack the box of African-American and you have Gullah Geechee, why is it important to identify as Gullah Geechee and what does what does the world gain from knowing about the culture? Well, it's important to us to identify as Gullah Geechee, one, because people have lumped us all into being monolithic as, quote, black people in North America, and we're not a monolith. So to know your specific ethnicity, to know your specific cultural group is something that will allow you to have pride. Because once you can identify your cultural group, you know what your culture is. Now you can start to talk about food ways. You can talk about music. You can talk about land ownership or the lack thereof. You can talk about clothing styles. You can talk about a thing like the praise house that other people don't have. And you can start to identify things that make you unique. And then you can take pride. You should take pride in knowing the uniqueness that your African ancestors retained in spite of the Madabalash and things like that. In spite having been enslaved and beaten to say get rid of it. So that tells you you came from a legacy of people who are strong. Once you can identify that ethnicity in North America and you find out that ethnicity takes you back to Angola in Africa, that ethnicity takes you back to the Windward Coast, Rice Coast, because they're Gola and Gizi and Kizi, people that the name themselves derive from, you have even more strength because you can now find that route that's going through the Middle Passage under the base of the Atlantic Ocean and going back to the motherland into at least a region or a couple of regions that you can say, wow, I got a real connection there. I'm not a slave descendant which means you just descend from almost an inanimate object because there's no humanity, there's no thought. The stripping away of all the names was taken because they wanted you to be convinced you weren't anything other than what they would make you into. Right. To say that you have kept your ethnic group's name and you stand in the traditions of that culture and you ain't care who ain't like a thing like that. You the been you ain't a guano at all, tall and thing like that. When you can do that, there's a pride and there's a connection to the past 
and to your future. And we always say, if honey ain't know where honey to dear from, honey ain't quite know where honey to grind. And so it's critical to hold on to those things. And of course, we know we're blessed. Well, Gullah means people blessed by God. We know we're blessed to have that opportunity to know our ethnicity. That doesn't mean we're against other people who don't know this. We just were blessed to know ours. But now we have to hold on to what that means in terms of cultural legacy and what our ancestors did to build America, all right? And that's the difference. And I think that when you just go, well, I'm just African-American, that's a catch-all. And it only started getting used in the 1980s. So what group of Africans in America did you come from? So we're Gullah Geechee, you know? And like you said, then what country do you tie to? So some people are trying to find it out through DNA research. I have my druthers about a bunch of that, too, because I'm a scientist. I don't think it's all real. I think some of that is just hustle because they know there's a desperation to know where you're from. And so they take a lot of money from people for that. But at the same time, here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, we have oral history. You have family members 105 years old can tell you who your second cousin twice removed on on your mama daddy's side is. So you hold on to that and you keep passing that down and you will learn your connection. You will take pride in your connection to who you specifically are. And we be Gullah Geechee anointed people. Well, Queen Quinn, as always, I thank you for your time. And uh, how can people find you on social media? They can find Gullah Geechee Nation's Facebook fan page and Gullah is G-U-L-L-A-H slash G-E-E-C-H-E-E. And no I ain't Geechee if it a we. You can also find us at Gullah Geechee on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can always find me, Queen Quet, and Quet is Q-U-E-T dot com. So when I'm crying around the world and thing like that, upon my toes and thing like that, I hope say I get to crack my teeth with some of honey listeners and thing like that. I will follow those food ways back to St. Helena. I know you I will. Too. Yes, sir. <laughs> we going to have some red rice for Hunter next time. Oh, Lord. There we go. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right. Stay blessed. Stay strong. Mm-hmm.